another episode of the Stadium Journey Podcast. Thanks for joining us tonight. You can find all of our 2,500 stadium reviews, news items, and other featured stories on the website, stadiumjourney.com. And please connect with us on all of our social media channels. We are at Stadium Journey. Like, comment, share everywhere. You can find audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast by searching HIAC Talk Radio Network on whatever podcast app you use, or on Spotify, or on Apple, or on a bunch of other places Dan has added recently. It's so exciting. Our video simulcast of the podcast can be found on our YouTube page. Those are all in one convenient location for you. And if you're looking for our classic back catalog, that can still be found at vocnation.com. And we record every other Tuesday night. Yes, it is Tuesday. I don't know where I am right now. But every other Tuesday night at 8 Eastern, you can find us at danlaw.tv. So let me take one minute and introduce our starting lineup. Dave Cotney is with us. Follow him on Twitter at profan 9 Mark Viquez can be found not driving his car. At Ballpark Hunter, Dan Kalachico, the other guy, is here. You can follow him at DanLaw83. And I am Paul Baker. You can follow me at RI. And tonight we are thrilled to be joined by Jason Williams. Jason and his wife Paula are the hosts of the Vegas Fever podcast. And uh, Jason also writes about UNLV basketball for the Mountain West Fire. Jason, welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, no, we're excited. We've been having, uh, you know, we like to dedicate episodes to certain cities every once in a while. And Vegas has been on our radar for a long time. So we're glad that you were able to come and join us tonight. Always, guys. It's a hot market, so we're ready. Yeah, and that's that's how I wanted to start. For for years and years, you know, I'm a little bit older than everybody else in the panel. Vegas was like, nope, don't touch it. Don't yeah, touch it. You I can't agree have with you. Can't have a team in Vegas. Mark is obviously on a delay right now. Uh, <laughs> But but th- but that's changing. I mean, with uh, yes, with first the Golden Knights and now the Raiders, uh, Vegas is the hot place to be right now. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Um, it's really interesting. For many many years, uh, I was born in the late '80s, and up until about you know the uh, right before the time the Golden Knights were granted the uh, expansion team, Vegas was kind of that. Uh, it was kind of that secret that nobody wanted to talk about sports wise. And they were always flirted with uh, major league wise by all the different uh, professional leagues. What's changed about Vegas is that everybody has learned that if you embrace the town and everything that comes with it in terms of its gambling, and it's honestly, Vegas is one of the, is the safest place to gamble. It, nothing out of the ordinary happens in Vegas gambling wise that isn't caught because it's regulated and there are a million eyes, a billion eyes watching it. It was always that dirty secret that was flirted with. Once you embrace that, like Bill Foley did to bring in the Vegas Golden Knights and Mark Davis to bring over the Raiders and other leagues are flirting with it currently, you embrace it and it's really good for business. Because the NFL and the NHL and even the NBA and Major League Baseball are bringing in people and they're actually embracing the gambling aspect of it, where you're going to see mobile sports books uh, all over the place. There's actually, you're able to pull up a sports book on your phone inside of Allegiant Stadium, inside of T-Mobile Arena, and bet on games. And I think it's wonderful. I, You know... I always wanted a professional team. For me, it was always UNLV. UNLV men's basketball was 
was everything to me. I was not even two years old when they won the national championship and not even three years old when they went to the final four twice. So I became a really big fan when uh, the Runner Rebels made their 1998 WAC tournament run with Tyrone Nesby. Uh, Billy Baino was the coach. They had Kaz Kambala. They had Mark Dickel. They had an amazing team. That captivated me. And I was always a Runner Rebel fan. I'll always bleed that Runner Rebel red. The Golden Knights changed the way that everything is looked in Vegas. And they took a gamble. They took a gamble that was well worth it. And it changed everything because within the next few years, you're going to have everything, uh, all the major leagues there. Do you think, uh, I think one of the reasons why the gambling has been um, accepted is that to me, it seems like ownership across the board has, has kind of come up to that, that revenue wall where, geez, the player salaries are still going up and up and up and up. <laughs> and we're having a hard time finding a way to bleed any more money out of anyone. Um, so let's, let's get into this legalized gambling thing. This, uh, let's, let's bring the gambling into, into our sport as much as possible. Do you think Vegas gets, you know, gets the big hug? If uh, ownership of major sports does not run into that kind of revenue wall. It's really interesting when they had the vote to bring the Raiders to Vegas, there was only one team, one owner that did not want the Raiders in Vegas. They, that did not want the NFL in Vegas. And that is the Miami Dolphins owner, whoever that is. I don't have his name off the top of my head. You guys probably know it. Was it Steven, Steven Ross. Right. So he didn't want the NFL in, in Vegas, um, and he was the only one. The vote passed by leaps and bounds further than anybody ever thought. I think with revenue always on the up and up in all sports, I think that Vegas gets the hug. People want Vegas. It's not dirty anymore. It's sexy, and people want it, and you're going to see – uh, I feel like, in my opinion, the uh, Major League Soccer is going to be your next, uh, from everything that I'm hearing, Major League Soccer is the next sport. And Major League Baseball probably isn't far behind, whether it's the Oakland Athletics or other. And then I think the NBA, I think the NBA should have been behind the NHL, if you really ask me. Um, there's potential to build an arena on the north end of the Strip, which we can get into if you wanted to, which has been on the plans for over 10 years. Um, by a very rich man uh, in Las Vegas. They haven't been able to get that built, but they do have all the funding to do so. I thought the NBA, and if it wasn't for the recession, I thought they might've been first or even second behind the Golden Knights, but a lot of stuff has happened. But I don't think revenue, a wall is really going to stay, uh, is really going to stick Vegas in the corner. I think that all leagues embrace it. Another arena in Vegas, because what, are, are we going for one for one, one per 10? One one arena per ten residents, or you know, it's really interesting. T-Mobile Arena was built to uh, it was built fifty fifty by AEG and MGM. They fifty fifty the property. Um, they built it for NBA and NHL. However, the NBA and and the NHL also like to have their own arenas going forward. A, a lot of teams, a lot of NHL teams and NBA teams split, but the NHL really wants their own thing. Uh, the Golden Knights want their own building. They play uh, basketball games, or obviously, um, 
with uh, UNLV actually participating in a tournament in November. Um, and they also have the Pac-12 tournament at T-Mobile Arena. But it's called the AllNet A-L-L-N-E-T Arena. And it's been, on the, it's been on the planning stages for almost 10 years. Jackie Robinson, uh, who played for Jerry Tarkanian in the 1970s on the Hardway 8 team, he's a big businessman in Vegas and he's got the money, he's got the funding. And it's gonna be a whole complex of like dining, entertainment, uh, and, and an arena, about 20,000 seats. That's where the NBA is going to go if they're going to go to Vegas. And that's going to be four or five years down the road. That's why I say last, because I feel like the MLS is any, in, in the next few months to a year, MLS is going to announce their bid because the MLS recently had a city, I forget off the top of my head, pull out. So Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento. So Vegas is ready. And that's going to be your that's going to be your next team, MLS wise, and then Major League Baseball probably will will enter as well. So would this be a replacement for the Thomas and Mac? Or uh, it would, would be UNLV well, do their own thing and the NBA do their own thing? And well, the Thomas and Mac is a thirty. Uh, it's almost a forty year building. Uh, it's thirty eight years old. Opened in November nineteen eighty three. Uh, and so the Thomas and Mac is going is it's been redone uh, a few times. But UNLV is going to need a new building. Uh, I think there has been no mention of UNLV uh, going to that building. It's strictly aimed at pulling in an NBA franchise at this time. Inter interesting. Uh, let's, let's talk. You've got me really intrigued now with the uh, Major League Baseball. I mean, right. it's, always, it's always been out there. So the uh, Aviators, how much money did they just spend on a brand new minor league ballpark in Henderson? Uh, it, it's it's in the upper millions. Uh, it is it was built and it's a beautiful facility, a facility that could house the Oakland Athletics or other, which that is the AAA franchise of the Oakland A's. Um, it's a beautiful ballpark that that franchise deserved, because if you think about it. That's the oldest professional franchise in las vegas they've stayed and they've been around uh, i i believe it's 83 83 or 84 they've been around and it was owed to them and they've done and this has this been their second or third year there and they've been pretty good 10 to eleven thousand seats is what you can fit and if you think about it oakland doesn't get much more fans than 10 to eleven thousand anyway so for four, uh, the lease at, in in oakland expires in 2024 so if, um, if they're not able to get back to the table in Northern California and make a deal happen, you could see potentially in the next year or two, the A's take that same jump. And I bet you that their ownership group has talked to Mark Davis, because if you talk to Mark Davis, you absolutely know how to, how to besides the public money aspect, which the Oakland A's are not going to get, you know how to maneuver a relocation bid because he did it quite well. So I think that they've been talking, um, but the athletics or whoever could play in that ballpark until one is built for them. Okay, that was going to be my follow-up question. Were they going to uh, make that their permanent home and upgrade it to major league standards, or it would be more? You're saying it'd be more of a temporary thing. That's temporary. Um, the, the Oakland A's after the season are looking to um, narrow down their 12 choices to three or four locations. 
And because they want to get done with, with the regular season, which has a few games left, they want to get done with October playoff baseball, which is, which is the best time of year. And they want, then they can focus on what they're doing in Vegas and the three sites that if you think about it, if, if you guys are familiar with Vegas, you have the old Cashman field site, which is where the aviators played when, when they were the stars and the 51s, they would tear down major league whole games. area. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, they have hosted major league games there at Cashman. Yes. So the A's played a few games in the nineties there when they're, when the uh, Coliseum was being, uh, you know, redone. Was that I was actually at one of the games, uh, 96, but I think that was yeah, more of a spring a... training facility. And you're right, that Cashman Field was built in uh, 1983, mm-hmm. and the Aviators led all of minor league baseball in attendance in 2019. So the, the city really embraced that uh, yeah. big time. So it, you know, It's been and, fantastic. And, and, and it's I'm almost a... bizarre that that they've, they've taken this because for decades, you know, Vegas was the – the affiliate outpost. They were the, <laughs> they true. were the last, like if you were left standing after the, the minor league dance, like you ended up going to Vegas. I mean, you know, the Jays were there. I think the Mets were the there. Mets were there. Were there. Yeah. Yes, it's they it's were. like, they were. oh my gosh, I lost Padres. my affiliate that was close. And now I have too. to go yep. to Vegas. Yep. <laughs> well, That's I, right. I can tell you this. I remember being, my brother used to live in Vegas. I actually was accepted to UNLV. That was mm. like my goal was to become a running rebel. Mm. And uh, you're right. Vegas changed because back then it had a lot of minor league teams coming and going. And it was a city where, well, we can't put a team here. And then the, the, you know, the population isn't there. And it's not going to support it because of the gambling. And now you're right. It's a sexy city. And, and I've seen the city change from 1993. And I was there in 2017. And I was like, oh, my God, this city is just gorgeous. It's beautiful now. It's, it's more than just gambling. It's all about entertainment. But my question is, can they support all four teams? I feel that Vegas can. Vegas uh-huh. has two and a half million people there. And in the 90s, it was the fastest growing city in America. And nobody That's true. I mean, nobody paid it any attention. The Golden Knight, every fan base has their own different select set of fans, if you think about it. So you have 18,500 at T-Mobile Arena right after. And they just got 17 and a half for a preseason game a couple hours after the Raiders beat the Dolphins. So And, and there was 60,000 people there. And this was a great example for how that they can support, because I remember that me and you were talking about how can they support all these franchises? That was one of the questions that was posed to me from you. And each fan base has their own select set of fans. So soccer is huge in Southern Nevada. And when the minor league team, uh, yet again, another minor league team, the Las Vegas Lights, they sell out Cashman at 10,000, nine to 10,000. Nice job. And they have tremendous promotions. They do Alamas. it really well. Yeah. Yep. You know, they throw money out there for people to grab on the field. If you're lucky enough to get out there, you know what I mean? They blow money out there. And if you can catch it, you can keep it. You know? I mean, everybody likes money. So, I I'll mean, I think. a soccer game. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's supported each individually because you have, you have a lot of different fans in Vegas everybody likes something different the one sport and the one team that's getting left out of this and it's probably because of the way they've played over the past 10 years is UNLV basketball 
they will be dust if they don't put a good product out on the court. And I feel that you have the right man at the helm now to make those decisions. But UNLV needs to pick it up because you have the light, you know, you have uh, the Knights and the Raiders and more coming. Did you hear that? New England Revolution. That's all you got to do to get Paul out to a game is blow money on the field. <laughs> Politics. Uh, well, so, I, I got a what what do you uh I, I I as an outsider, as a northern as a, a northerner um in Canada, right. I, I suppose I'm skeptical of the of the baseball and the soccer portion um of this whole play. So what how much of a factor is is the weather in all of this, right? Like when the Raiders built their uh you know their big giant Darth Vader helmet, right? Mm-hmm. Um climate controlled. You know, maybe maybe Major League Baseball builds something um, not entirely different from like what uh, Arizona would have or something like that. Uh, right. But I can't see Major League Soccer doing the full on, you know, dome or or whatever. How, what 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 factor does does the weather in Vegas play? You think? Well. Me, me and the wife really want to move to Canada because it's cold. And in Vegas, it's 115. It's 115 in the shade. At night. At night. And yeah. uh, sometimes, sometimes it goes down to 100, you know, after midnight, which is, which is really, really nice. You're going to need to have a, a retractable roof. That's the one thing that Mark Davis missed on. There's that big glass roof, and it's really beautiful. However, um, there cannot be an NHL outdoor game played in that stadium, which is a shame because you could fit 70,000 plus because it doesn't have a retractable roof. NHL outdoor stadium series needs to have outdoor or retractable. So Mark Davis missed on that. That's the one thing he couldn't get enough money because it was going to be a, a millions more. And, and, you know, when you're already taking 750 million public, which is casino tax and um, everything else that was being spent, you weren't going to get that. But baseball and soccer are going to need retractables because if they're going to play in 110 to 115, you, you're going to have to have some shade. And I don't think it's debatable I'm at, at all. Yeah, I could tell you this from experience. Uh, and it's a good trivia question. Where was my first CFL game? Las Vegas, 1994. Mm-hmm. And you're right. They would move the start times from seven to eight hoping that it will cool down. It never did. It was 110 degrees, and you might have had about 500 to 1,000 people watching the Las Vegas Posse play football. I remember that. At a good, good old silver Sam Boyd Stadium. Silver Bowl, Sam Boyd Stadium, that's right. And, and, and they had a – I think it was a rookie, Anthony Cavillo, mm. who went on to become a, a Canadian Football League legend. That's, I think, where he got his start at, so – it, it, it's amazing where Las Vegas has come from a, a, a city where really, let's stick all these like random football teams and indoor football teams. And, uh, and, and now, you know, they could, they could uh, be close to having four teams pretty soon. Uh, but how serious do you think the Oakland A's are of leaving, leaving the Bay area to come to Vegas? Or is that just a ploy to get something Ser- up there? Serious. Uh, they're okay. they're serious. Um, whether it pans out is a whole nother ball game. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks flirted with Henderson, which is a Vegas suburb, yeah. a few years ago, and I think that that was more than what people um, 
really new. It was a little blip, but it, it made it so that there was potential. Henderson is one of the sites that the Oakland A's are looking at. And the Silver Knights, which is the Golden Knights AHL franchise, is in Henderson. The um, Bill Foley is also bringing in an Arena Football League, I, yeah, IFL League. The um, Nighthawks or something they're called. Yeah, they're going to be called the Nighthawks. Yeah. Also, the WNBA team has a practice facility out there. The Raiders practice facility is out there. Henderson is making a name for itself. It's not just one of the best places to retire. It's not one of the best places to live in Nevada. It's not only is it that, it's, it, it's more. It's becoming, you know, kind of sports, uh, you know, that little corner that, that Vegas wants to put its, you know, its uh, practice facilities and other and i think that the mayor her name is deborah march she is really she's a player in this game i think the a's are serious that ballpark in howard terminal in in, you know in oakland is is not going to happen the way it is now the a's want something much more than the city is willing to give and that sounds that is a rinse and repeat story from the raiders they tried to offer them the coliseum site both teams Nobody wants that site. With all due respect, nobody wants that site. What they want is something new on the water in Northern California. Walkable. Right. And also sustainable to where you have dining, shopping, living, everything. They want to make it, they want to be the the Bay Area besides the Giants. They want to be Oakland's team because everybody else left. Now, that's not suspicious to me because the city council and everybody in Northern California they don't want professional sports. It's very obvious. They sent the Warriors to San Francisco. They sent the Raiders to Vegas, and they're on the verge of losing their last professional major sports team because they're selfish, and they're going to hurt a generation of fans because of their selfishness. And Vegas is going to cash in yet again if they don't wake up. So it's completely doable this whole thing is real because they've been here six times they're planning more they have sites they have investors who haven't been named yet this is this is the real deal i mean i don't know if they keep the name i don't care what they call them i mean they could they could be on their way to vegas i would hope I they bet. keep the name that's that's a over 100 years made it tradition through philly there. kansas city <laughs> yeah. <Oakland>. true, yeah. <laughs> true. Con, the ghost of Connie Mack would haunt them if they changed the name. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I think you got to look at it like I mean Vegas is just so different, right? Like I mean Oakland doesn't have you know four million tourists coming in, dropping a billion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I mean I total I totally get it. Like you know if you're if you're a, a resident of Oakland, are you and the and the 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 prices for stadiums now are just they're just like ridiculous. Like you know, we were talking about we're going to talk about uh, you know Tampa and Montreal later. And, oh, you know, like, yeah, you think, another store. Do you think Montreal is going to drop a billion dollars on a stadium for a team that's going to show up you know forty times a year? Like I don't see that. I mean that, and that's probably to me that's why you know Vegas has this this um, advantage is that. It's such a it's not it's not just a tourist destination, it's the tourist destination. Right. And and they can say, Oh well, we'll you know, we'll throw an extra penny on your, you know, uh, 
penny casino tax or whatever. Right. And, it's and, like point like eight percent. It's it's honestly it's nothing. Everybody in Nevada made such a big deal about it, saying that the locals were going to pay for it. Not one local has paid for that. Now there are other things that they might end up paying for, like parking structures and all kinds of stuff. But the stadium itself was seven hundred fifty million in in uh, a casino tax, which I think it was like zero point eight. I mean, it's like two bucks a night. I mean, you're already paying resort fees, which is 35 to 40 or more on top of tax, on top of that. Nobody notices. And, you know, you see them 60,000 plus. I mean, it's it's paying it's paying for itself. It's going to continue to as well. I wanted to give you a little bit of a hot take on that Montreal Tampa situation. Go for it. I think in a couple of years. I think the Rays move to Montreal full time. I think the Expos are coming back. That's my hot take, and be, and I say that because the the lease at Tropicana Field or whatever they're calling it nowadays, um, they they should just call it Pop Fly Hit the Roof, um, is what they should call it. <laughs> Montreal wants a team. They almost lost the Expos to Vegas. Vegas was one of the finalists, and they ended up going to DC. Really, but, didn't know that. Yeah, Vegas was one of the finals. It was just too soon. It wasn't going to happen. Uh, yeah. You know, it was still Vegas was still a dirty secret at that point. But I think that when Tampa's lease ends in a couple years down there in South Florida, there's no way they're splitting time there for years. No way. This is cute right now, but this is not going to work. And and I feel like they end up moving to Montreal four or five years if that down the road. I think that's the, yeah, the only problem that is people don't know. The only problem is it's not a couple of years. It's like six, right? right. The lease is a twenty twenty eight. Gotcha. And and they've and the mayor and and you know the mayor of St. Pete's has played hardball the whole time, even mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, they can't they can't even look at moving to Tampa. Forget forget Montreal. They can't look at Tampa. <laughs> right. They can't commit to one location. Right. <laughs> so, um. So you you uh. Said so talk a lot about about the Vegas Golden Knights um, being a Canadian and and totally uh, immersed in hockey, I guess. Uh, and I and I can say that I have been to twenty, I think it's twenty two NHL um, NHL locations. And I I blew the guys away here when I had uh, Vegas number two on my list as mm. like best experience and that includes like all the original six the boston bruins the new jersey devils the flyers are at the top of my list (laughs) (laughs) so uh, one of the things that i saw was that that vegas uh the golden knights did vegas they they made it a show um do you see this spreading across this sort of uh vegas style presentation pregame spreading do you see that spreading across uh the nhl and if so what do the golden knights have to do to either maintain or or step up i think that seattle will have something similar and i think that that's because they came after i don't think any of the nhl teams the 30 that were before vegas i don't think that they get into this and the reason being there is a little bit of now the show that they put on in Vegas for the Golden Knights is fantastic. The atmosphere is fantastic. Any player that you talk to across the league 
loves playing in that building, hates playing in that building, but loves playing in that building because from a fan, from a, you know, from a player atmosphere standpoint, but it's perceived and it was perceived this way in the conference final against the Canadians, the show that Vegas put on and they didn't put the product on the ice that matched the show and they got, they got their behinds whooped while the Canadians put on a simpler product pregame wise, and then put a backside whipping on the Knights. Basically is, you know, there was a lot of perception of, we don't need the glitz and the glamor. We can just put the puck on the ice and play the game, introduce the players and sing the anthems and have a nice day. And so I think across the league, Vegas is the third most hated franchise already behind really? Boston and Toronto. Third. <laughs> in, four, in four years. Everybody, yeah, hates, so everybody hates Boston everything. Come on, Paul, get on it. So I think it's Toronto one and Boston two and Vegas three. So in four years and one preseason game, they've decided that they're going to hate the Golden Knights top three. And that's why I think you're not really going to see a wave of you know, the glitz and the glamour and the pregame shows, I, you know, I think that what teams have, they have. And if they want to do a little bit of adjusting, they will. Vegas is going to keep doing Vegas because that's what they've always done. They're going to have, you know, the festivities. And it's, for me, it's heart stopping. It's, it, there's nothing like it when you, when you hear them, pound, you know, when you hear the knight pound on his shield and all the fans say, go nights go until that's all you hear and they do that for for a couple minutes and then the you know the gentleman who also does raider games who's the mc at the golden knights games um he proceeds to you know he he proceeds to get the crowd just off off their chairs and he's fantastic. I don't think there's anything else like it, and you can't duplicate it. It's fantastic. I don't think that you're going to see many people do it either. Do the Raiders do anything like that? I know uh, they've only had fans in for one or two games. but So the same guy does the Raiders uh, that does the Golden Knights, like I mentioned. And um, basically, they light the torch, the Al Davis torch. They light um, the former governor of Nevada, uh, Brian Sandoval, did it. Um, there's been a few people to do it. Um, they introduced the Raiders and it's, it's just, it's loud. It's 60,000 plus loud. It's not, it's hard to duplicate in a bigger environment like you can. And, you know, it's T-Mobile arena when there's only 18, five, but from what I've seen at Allegiant stadium, uh, they've got a tremendous atmosphere and it's probably already one of the best in the uh, NFL. Uh, if not the best, because it's new, it's shiny. Raider fans are unlike any other. They're very specific. They will, as you've probably heard and seen on news reports, they will kill you in the stands if you uh, have a problem with their team. So I think it's going to be one of the best environments in the NFL for a long time. It's nice to see the Raiders at an actual football stadium. Uh, after 50 plus years, 55, 54, five years point. Playing, playing at the multi-purpose stadium. <laughs> no kidding, huh? It is weird. It is really weird 
my God, they're not in Oakland anymore. There's not the baseball diamond. There's not Mount yeah. Davis. Yeah. And um, so I'm happy they finally got their stadium. And the A's may be next in Las Vegas, which uh, never saw that coming. They I told think me that about a few I, years ago. I think you're missing that blip where they played in the actual football stadium in Los Angeles. Yeah, for 13 years at the Coliseum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean right. for a short memory. time. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They did play in LA. You're right. They won a Super Bowl there. Hey, you you ask you ask those guys. Ask Snoop Dogg and and Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Uh, they were you're never right. Oakland Raiders. They were always Marcus, Marcus, Marcus Allen. Allen. Marcus Allen. Yeah. yeah. Did the black hole and and those crazies make it over to Vegas too? Or they did. They did. And they're probably and, and they're and they're usually drunk by game time. But I think that it's like that's Buffalo, but hotter. <laughs> Jeez, uh, the last time I was in Vegas, I think it was maybe 2008. So I'm trying to compare the sports landscape we're talking about right now to what was there when I last visited Vegas. So you had the 51s playing a Cashman Field, right. and then you had uh, the ECHLs, or was it was it the Western League at that point? We had the Wranglers. Wranglers. Wranglers, yeah, Orleans ECH, Arena. ECHL. Yep. And that was it. And then you had UNLV, who were, UNLV. were kings of Vegas back then. So hey, I know yep. uh, you you mentioned that the running Rebels are close to your heart. They are. So uh, what's going on in terms of Vegas and their facilities and, and their plans going forward? Uh, so, you know, like I mentioned, Thomas and Mack Center is a 38-year-old building. It's going to be 38 in November. And uh, nothing I've heard that's concrete on getting UNLV out of there. That's going to need to happen at some point. Um, UNLV hasn't made the NCAA tournament since 2013. They uh, have had five coaches um, in the past 10 years. They are working on uh, their new coach, who is the son of a legend, in my opinion. His name is Kevin Kruger. That's Lon Kruger's son. And Lon Kruger retired from Oklahoma. And he lives in Vegas. He lives in Henderson, and he's at practice. He's not on. He's not on the. He's not on the staff, but he's there. Uh, and you know, Kevin brought uh, Carlin Hartman, which was uh, Lon's top assistant at OU, to Vegas. He's got a good staff. He's got a solid foundation. I think that this team has the chance to be the best team that they've had. NIT is perfectly acceptable and I think should be celebrated because of what this school has done lately. UNLV is, is the running rebels. They are, they are, they are Vegas. They always will be. And they need to put butts in seats. And I think they have the found the, the, the chemistry in the program right now. I think they have everything to do. So they need a full Thomas and Mac or they don't stand a chance. And does that does that worry you as a fan? Like, I mean, wait now you're now you're talking about competition for them, right? Yeah. And and uh, you've got you've got the football the football rebels who are, you know, uh, squatting in 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 the new stadium. I don't know. They're they're there, but they I don't deserve it. I can I, tell I, you I that. I can't imagine how many. <laughs> How many people would be at at one of those games? It might, it might be a little scary. You get like ten thousand in the seventy thousand seat stadium, um, but yeah, you're you're gonna have the Raiders to compete with. You're gonna have 
the Golden Knights to compete with. You're going to have everything else that's already there to compete with. Plus, you know, whoever's coming in the WNBA is, are they there already or are they coming? They are the aces. They're already there. The aces Uh, are one of the better franchises in the league as well. They are. And Mark Davis owns them too. Okay. And and if they, you know, NBA, I mean, I see that one. I see that happening before the others. Like, do, does, do the rebels like stand a chance and, and add to that, that they're, they're not exactly in the most prestigious conference. No, they are not. And, and they can't do much with that. You know, they can't, they can't play with San Diego state right now. They can't play with the Utah States. They can't play with the school in their own state that continues to beat them. Nevada, uh, UNR, Reno, however you want to address them. Uh, that's a big battle in Southern Nevada, how they, how you address UNR people. Like I, I'm, I'm a little bit more even keeled because I do a little bit of reporting for the Mountain West Wire basketball season wise. Um, they are Nevada. They are Nevada because they, they play better than any other school in Nevada. And by that, I mean, they play better than UNLV. When UNLV beats, you know, you know, Reno, Nevada, when they beat them, you know, consistently, we can have a different conversation. UNLV fans are very difficult to sometimes to reason with. The fact of the matter is, if this university as a whole, because they have the facilities, they have the Mendenhall Center, which sits right next to the Thomas and Mack Center and the Cox Pavilion in the same parking lot, which is their practice facility, one of the best facilities in the country. Allegiant Stadium, one of the best facilities in the country. The Mendenhall Center, oh wait, the Mendenhall Center is where UNLV basketball practices. Also, UNLV football got a new facility as well, which was a lot of money was raised for that by ex-UNLV football coach Tony Sanchez and then some other people in town. UNLV has some of the best facilities around. Their Pac-12 material, they could be, if the Pac-12 expands, I would look to Las Vegas first. However, the town is all well and good, but the university is is, is I'm sorry, it's not good. UNLV, and it breaks my heart, will cease to exist. They'll just be dust if they do not win. That is what UNLV has to do in basketball. All you got to do is win. Vegas likes a winner. Put a winner out there, you, have, you, you stand a chance. I want to mention something about UNLV football. They played against Iowa State uh, like a week and a half ago, and there was 35,000 people at the game. And, and that was amazing, right? You think 35,000 people, 28,000 people were from Ames, Iowa. <laughs> That's so, got to be a big plus for putting a team in. And any league yeah. in Vegas is you're going to get a lot of visiting fans. So um, always. Has that, I was going to say, has that been, once I said the sentence, I realized, oh yeah, probably. So <laughs> has that really affected the home field advantage for like, say the Golden Knights? The Golden Knights in year one, for, for the Golden Knights, um, you were able to get tickets off of a ticket exchange, uh, many different websites. You were able to score tickets. Starting from year two on, they changed their policies. Now, visiting fans are able to get tickets, but they're not able to get thousands like they were. So in game five of the Stanley Cup finals between the Capitals and the Golden Knights in 2018, all the Vegas fans gave their tickets away they sold them the capital fans because they didn't want to be there when the capitals won the cup. And I say, suck it up. 
Suck it up, Buttercup. You guys had a fantastic season and have nothing, no, no reason to be ashamed. You should see the Stanley Cup raised by whoever wins Stanley Cup. That game, that series still bothers me to this day because the Knights have not been back. And I felt like after game one of that series, they were the better team. Barry Trotz is a tremendous preparer. And he also was really great at moving people, people in pieces. He's one of the best head coaches in the league and probably, you know, top 10 or 15 ever. And he made adjustments. Gerard Gallant didn't. And that's what it came down to. But, but going back to what you were saying, fans can get tickets, but it's not easy because Vegas is hot and hometown people want to, they want to go. Well, you guys are, are heading in the right direction. You got, Former Kitchener Ranger head coach Peter DeBoer. You've got uh, Nicholas Haig, who went to school like down the road from me. So, you know, the Kitchener connection is strong with Vegas. Uh, I think I think uh, Steve Spot is an assistant coach there. He is. Who is is also a former Kitchener Ranger coach. So he is. we're, we're, We're helping you out down there. I mean, Steve has been good for Pete DeBoer. You know, they, they've known each other. Uh, oh, they were. Pete, they, when when Pete DeBoer was the, the head coach of the Rangers here, his mm. assistant was Steve Spot. I mean, that guy has been with Pete for a long time. I mean, I, I think that Pete DeBoer was the right man at the time when they decided to fire Gerard Gallant, which was, bit, which was a big deal. Um. I, 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 I know where I, I know exactly everybody exactly knows where they were. And it was a shock to let Gerard Galango go after two and a half years. And it, it, it rubs a lot of people wrong. Like I said, it rubs my co-host wrong. And so that comes up every now and then it's extremely entertaining when we get into Mark Andre flurry debates, which is, which is fresh. When we get into Gerard Gallant debates, when you give away Ryan Reeves for nothing but a third round pick and you, and you dump Mark Andre flurry for cap space. I think that the golden Knights have rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Fans, uh, some of the people that work in the organization and players. That's the reason why they're probably number three hated in the league. And it's at some point you're going to wonder, there's been a lot of turnover in the organization. I think 13, some odd number like that, organizational people that don't play hockey have changed hands over the last year, year and a half. And there's a, it's, it, it's a trend and it's not a good one. And I feel like Pete DeBoer is the right guy to lead them there. This will be his first season, full season, without any COVID issues, without you know, having a half season because he had just came on or having a shortened season because of, you know, everything going on. So I think that they've got a good squad. I don't feel like they've upgraded in the bottom six. That's my opinion. I don't feel like Dodonov. I don't feel like Brett Howden. I don't feel like those guys are going to win you. At, I, I don't think that's going to win you something. You gave, you know, Reeves might've been an enforcer and he took himself out of plays, but he also was a tone setter. You knew he was there. You weren't going to mess. You're not going to mess with my guys because I'm on the ice and now he's gone. And I think that they've spent a little bit of money uh, goaltending wise, getting rid of Marc-Andre Fleury and bringing uh, Laurent Brassois. And I don't think Brassois is the answer. He's going to be on the ice uh, for the Golden Knight. He's going to be on the, uh, on the ice for them shortly in their preseason game at T-Mobile Arena against the Avalanche. Um, I, I, Robin Leonard, I don't think is going to 
stay healthy. He's lost a ton of weight. He looks fantastic. He's been standing on his head in practice, and that's well and good. But I don't think that Robin Leonard is the guy. I think that they should have kept Marc-Andre Fleury. I think they should have either never gotten Robin Leonard or gotten rid of Robin Leonard and used Logan Thompson, who was the best goalie in the AHL last year. He was the equivalent of the Vesna winner in the American Hockey League. You should have had him, you know, tutor under Marc-Andre Fleury and passed it to him when Fleury was done. That's what you should have done. Because what you did doesn't seem like a championship winning team to me. I'm harsh and, and I'm honest and a lot of people don't like it in Vegas and, and their other, but people listen to the show. And so that's, and, and, and they leave me comments. They leave us comments. They absolutely either love it or hate it, but they do have an opinion and they, and they are listening. And I, you know, that's where we are on Vegas. You think the fans out there were spoiled and maybe have some unrealistic expectations because you started at the top. I mean, like, look at the Capitals, for instance, who struggled for years and years. Right. Or the Islanders. But Vegas, man, you, there was nowhere to go but down. Well, I mean, Vegas was handed a um, – they were handed a whole bunch of pieces. They were handed a whole bunch of guys with chips on their shoulders who people didn't want. They were handed James Neal. They were handed David Perron. They were handed pierre Edward Belmar. They were handed Marc-Andre Fleury. They were handed Eric Halla. They were handed pieces. And these guys – we're like, you know what? Forget this. Let's go out and let's go out and shock the world. And they did. And and the fans in Vegas have unreal expectations, yeah. but expectations that the organization set. The organization set those expectations. So the fans should not be to blame. What should be to blame is the way that the NHL, you know, was was trending because the last time they had an expansion draft before Vegas, they had Columbus and Minnesota come in in 2000, right? So the cap was so much lower. The rules were so much different. Nobody catered the rules to Vegas. Vegas wasn't handed a championship team. They were handed a whole bunch of pieces and they made it work. In doing that, the expectations have gotten up there to where the Knights are supposed to win the Stanley Cup or be in the Stanley Cup every year. And when they're not, it's a disappointment. The last two years have been a disappointment because their power play and their offense and everything has gone lights out at the worst possible time. They were a better team than Montreal and they were a better team than Dallas the year before. And they lost to both and they didn't deserve to win. And they deserved, in this league, you get exactly what you deserve when you play like trash. And they did, in a harsh, but it's true. And and boy, did the NHL GMs learn their lesson with the Seattle expansion draft, huh? Seattle got a bunch of nice pieces, but they didn't get everything that yeah. that Vegas yeah. got. No, right. they got nice pieces, but nowhere near. And, and I think that bold prediction. Uh, I think the Kraken make the playoffs. Uh, I think that they are one of the three best teams in the Pacific. They are, it's, it, it's Vegas, it's Seattle, and then it's whoever, whoever sneaks in there. We, we also, we have to forget that uh, it's also Dave Haxtell. It is Dave Haxtell. And that was a surprise for me. I thought Seattle should have hired Gerard Gallant. I thought Gerard Gallant knows exactly what he's doing expansion wise. Hire the man. And it would have made so much, it would have been so, how apropos, right? You know, like he, he does what he does in Vegas and he takes another Seattle, you know, expansion team in Seattle. Um, I think 
Dave Haxtall was was a surprise, but Dave Haxtall's been a hockey dude for a long time, so they're in good hands. It wasn't, you know, number one choice, but you know, I think that they've got all the pieces to make a run, and I and they should not be uh, counted out at all. Mark, you had something. Yeah, my last question is: Let's say the Big Four, well, let's say the Big Five, MLS, all get there. Uh, will we see some of these minor league teams go away, like like USL Championship lights? Will we see the the Aviators? Will it become a professional town? No more minor league sports. I think the lights are gone right away. Um, okay. I think that that's gone right away, and I think the reason was there's an agreement that if MLS, so there's a couple of different uh, groups that are bidding to get the MLS to Vegas. One of them is Bill Foley who owns the Golden Knights and is, is, is in love with the word Knights, uh, apparently. So, um, if the MLS goes with the ownership group, uh, that is not Bill Foley. I believe that they are attached to the lights. The lights would give up every, they, 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 they cease to exist. They, they fold. Uh, and that would be pretty immediate. I mean, if not right away, it would be right thereafter. I think that the aviators stay and I believe they stay because it's kind of like a silver night situation. It's a minor league affiliate right there. That's in what town. I was thinking. That's right. what if you I was need thinking. a guy, you, you get on the phone and you Brand say, stadium. I need a guy. And he's across town. That's what makes it so wonderful. You know, Vegas, uh, their affiliate was in Chicago for two years. Now that they have him across town, it's it, it, it's perfect for the Golden Knights, and it would work the same um, for Major League Baseball. Uh, I think the lights are gone. Bill Foley's trying to bring in some – he's bringing in some uh, indoor football league team. I think they stick around for a little while. Minor League Sports in Vegas should – eventually should cease to exist when you have major, but it's a, it's a process. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, – indoor football can be fleeting. Some markets it can do well. Just depends how you promote it and how much money. Yeah. Uh, Vegas tried know. it twice with the Sting and the Gladiators, and it went kaplunk twice. Well, they actually so. did it three times. I think Tommy. Uh, I think uh, ooh, Vince Neil had a team. For did year. he really? Because I remember that there was the, the Sting the and the Gladiators. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I think that they went. So the Outlaws. Yeah was the original XFL team, and then Vince Neal tried it again. That outlaw was so bad, I forgot about it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think they were the outlaws. They were bad. It was it was a, it was a disaster. The Sting yeah. and the Gladiators who played in New Jersey, I used to cover them when I was out there. Yep. Those are success stories <laughs> compared to what compared Vince Neal's operate. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's it. Just, right. it's, yeah, it's exciting, though. It's, it's amazing how we're here 2021 talking about Major League Sports going to Vegas, and I can remember 20 years ago, 25, it was minor league. It was roller hockey. It was indoor fo- arena football. So, And I've been to them all, and I love yeah. them all because it was all you had. In Vegas yeah. in the 90s, in the late 90s, early 2000s, what you had, you liked. So it was the Las Vegas Coyotes. They were a roller hockey team that played That's at right. Santa Fe, Santa Fe Hotel and Casino. I was – my mom and I were season ticket holders. It was UNLV football at Sam Boyd Stadium. It was, it was the Wranglers. It was the Las Vegas Thunder, the original IHL team 
that played at the Thomas and Mac. I went to a few of those games myself. Yep. It was the Dust Uh, Devils that played uh, indoor soccer. Continental Indoor Soccer League. Right. Uh, And they won the championship in 94. They did. And I was was six years old. Yep. Nobody <laughs> gave it. Nobody gave a crap. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. You, you liked everything because it was your own and it was news. Yeah, the you're, sports you're segment on the news was loaded with minor league headlines and UNLV and that blip that an that a professional team took a look. That was it. Yeah. All right. Las Vegas has grown up, hasn't it? Las Vegas is is here and <laughs> ready to play and ready to stay. Ready to play. Well, it's about time. It's about time. Dave, do you have anything else? Um, oh, one question I had for you, Jason. We sure. we mentioned that um, for the sports that aren't the major league sports that are not in Vegas yet, it's looking like MLB. It's looking like the A's. Um, MLS, you said, is most likely an expansion team. Mm-hmm. If the NBA comes to town, is that going to be a franchise moving? Do you think, or will that be an expansion team? You know, that's a really interesting question. The you know you know what intrigues me about. Uh, about the NBA is the Timberwolves were just sold to Alex Rodriguez and his group. I don't think they're staying in Minnesota. I don't know if they're moving to Vegas. Seattle is going to get the Sonics back. That is they uh, better. What, what's going to happen is they're going to get two Western conference teams, Vegas and Seattle, and they're going to move like Memphis to the East. So the division, so the conferences are 16 and 16. They need two teams to do it. The Sonics are going to get their team back. And like you said, they better. And Vegas is going to get their team. I don't know if Minnesota moves or another organization moves, but if they move, they could change their name from the Wolves to something desert-like. I know that you know, like, like the coyotes, like something like that, they could keep it as the wolves because there are wolves in the desert. I mean, it, it, it's got, it's got a little bit of a, of a ring to it. The NBA wants to expand. They want that money. And it's probably going to be between, you know, six and $800 million expansion fee. And someone's ready to pay it. I think that there's just too much money in Vegas to for the NBA to allow a team to just move there. I think, you know, that they've, they've, yeah. they've got to be looking at Vegas going, yeah, expansion. You're and probably sure. right. You're yeah, probably right. I think Seattle might be the mover that, you know, that might be the team that moves. Yeah. And you think how NBA players pick where they're going to play based on destination. Holy cow. Vegas would have a leg up on everybody else. Wouldn't they? I think so too. I mean, LeBron James kid, he's going to be playing soon. I mean, I think, I think we got a shot, you know, well all right jason we want to thank you really very much this has been a great discussion and uh geez yeah like mark said earlier who thought we would be talking about las vegas as a major league city not me not me ever no (laughs) it's been great do you want before we let you go do you want to take a minute and uh promote your your podcast and uh your social media presence anything you want to anything you want to advertise we'll give you absolutely guys um each one of you i appreciate uh, you guys have me on. I'll come on anytime you want. Um, our show is the Vegas Fever Podcast. Catch us on Twitter at Vegas Fever Pod. Um, subscribe. Uh, send some comments. Send some likes. We do a show. Uh, we try uh, with the hockey season. You know, back in session, basically in the basketball season coming back. We'll probably do a show once a week. During the summer, it was more like once every couple weeks. Um, 
but yeah, my wife is, uh, her name is Paula and she is at the golden wife. And we also have, we have another show that we do from that Twitter account. Uh, it's called the golden line. It's more of a, what's going on in today's world type of discussion. It's different from sports, uh, but it's both of us. And we have one episode out. We're working on more, uh, we just appreciate everybody. We, I appreciate each one of you guys uh, for having us on. And uh, anytime you want to come back, anything I could do, need any Vegas insight input, don't hesitate. I'll be here. So that's all the time we have for tonight. Uh, thanks, everyone out there for watching or listening. And thanks again to Jason Williams from the Vegas Fever podcast for joining us tonight. It's a great discussion and so much I didn't know about Vegas. I just thought, you know, it was strippers and gambling and stuff. No. Prostitution. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys been to Vegas? How about all those guys on the street with the cards? It's also <laughs> stripping in prostitutes. Oh, okay. Hey, just more reasons to go. Now you can do sports too. You can do it all. Uh, all right. So, uh, uh, like I said, that's uh, where we'll finish off tonight. Talk about prostitutes. You do that Strippers. all. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, we got the money, I guess. <laughs> Dan, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, hiding from my wife at DanLaw83. After that comment, no After, doubt. No, she's thank <laughs> God. Mark, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, Ballpark Hunter on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter. Dave, how about you? Where can our listeners follow you online? Twitter and Instagram at Profan9. And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at PuckmanRI. Remember to check out the uh, the mothership, the website, stadiumjourney.com for all of our stadium reviews, news items, and future stories. Uh, connect with us on our social media channels. You can find us at Stadium Journey. Like, comment, share. You can find the audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast by searching on your podcast ad- aggregator, HIAC Talk Radio Network. Uh, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're, we're everywhere. Video simulcasts. Find them on Stadium Journey's YouTube page and find our classic old episodes of the Stadium Journey podcast at vocnation.com. We stream live every other Tuesday night at 8 Eastern at twitch.tv slash danlaw83. Dan advertises when we're going to be live all over the place, so pay attention. For all of those of you who are watching our live stream, I guess you're not watching our live stream tonight. So never mind. Uh, we're going to jump into doing our trip recaps. Uh, if you're not watching, we can't broadcast live tonight. So never mind. Anyway, join us for our next new episode in two weeks. We will be joined by our old friend, Mike Hogan. We'll be talking about the Canadian Football League. No, I thought that was in two weeks. Nope, what is that's four weeks. What's in two weeks? Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, you're right. My bad. Ah, Mike, <laughs> sorry. Mike Mike Hogan in the Canadian Football League. That would be October 12th. 12th. The beginning of season five. Really? My contract ran out at the end of season four. Am I going to be there? Yeah. (laughs) My contract ran out at season two. Uh, We'll double double your pay for the next year, Dan. Oh, boy. We used to get paid big time. Uh, thanks everybody for your support. Thanks again to Jason Williams for joining us. For Dan, Mark, and Dave, this is Paul. Wishing you all safe stadium journeys and close games on your travels. Hope to see you on the road again real soon. Across the desert, bear man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been.